The following programming is sponsored by Tom Tool III. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or Beasley Media Group. Good afternoon, greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Timon, and we've got special guest David James with Safe Harbor of Chester County in the house. David, thanks for coming by. We're going to talk. You. We're going to talk all about your cornhole and concert for charity event in the third segment here. Sounds like a really cool thing to do. It's in Westchester. And again, Sarah and I work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania since 2018. We've got Gabe behind the camera, and we are streaming live on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. So I, I had a question posed to me, Sarah, and I, I know we're going to chat about this here. And this is the thing. I, I, if I was a seller, I'd be thinking about this right now. Is this the best time to cash out? Is, has there ever been a better time to sell your home than the spring of 2022? I mean, honestly, not that I can think of. <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> I mean, this is an incredible time to, to get out there. Um, you always hear of the seasonality in real estate, and I know the last couple years um, have been a little bit different. It's been, it's been hot and go, go, go. Um, and that is true for this year as well. But, you know, as we're approaching and now into this spring market, um, this is a this is a great time to to get out there and list. Inventory's low, buyers are still out there, um, ready to go. Interest rates haven't quite you know gone up to what we expect they may yet. And right now is a a great time. Well, yesterday we had a little bit of a snow squall. Um, it's a little <laughs> chilly today, but in general we're going to be trending towards nicer weather and just a more enjoyable experience when you go out and look at homes. You've got more daylight. You've got um, for sure flowers. It's a nice time to to see a property. So what I know, and, and there's some data that supports all this. I mean, not only the, the, the spring seasonality, like the grass is green. People tend to be in a better mood in the greater Philadelphia area when it warms up, despite the snow yesterday. Yeah, that was weird. Uh, it's pretty cold today, but that, that's not the point. Um, <laughs> there is some data around this, and that's what I wanted to kind of talk about. And I think the big question here is, are we at the top of the mountain, which we'll get to? If you look at, uh, there was some data that came out from Bankrate, and they actually researched, according to the uh, ATTOM Data Solutions, it was a report that broke um, at the end of 2021 about the best month to sell a home. And when you looked at the article, and this was all on Bankrate, they said late spring, specifically the month of May, is the best time to sell a home, netting a 13.4% seller premium based on uh, Adam's analysis of single-family home and condo sales over the past 10 years. And then when you went a little deeper, they actually broke down the, the median sale price and then the median um, average uh, uh, AVM, which is the average market value, and uh, com- comparatively for the year. And if you looked at the dates here, it was March, April, May, June, July, August. Like those, those six months in particular – they had anywhere from an 8.6 to 13.4% premium. And then February and September, no surprise, the months that kind of sandwiched that, they were in the 75 for September, 8.2% for February. And then it kind of dropped down a little bit into, uh, in, into a lower number for the late fall, early winter months. So knowing that we're kind of basically coming up on like the season where your sellers are going to get the biggest premium, and also the headwinds in the market, 
if I'm a seller and I'm thinking about selling in the next two, three years, I'd be accelerating my time frame now because I just don't know how long this run in the market's going to last. I mean, we've seen Zillow's raising their year-over-year price appreciation to 22%. Bananas. Incredible. I mean, we've seen 10% year-over-year appreciation since 2020 as soon as restrictions got lifted. So I just don't know how long this is sustainable and how much buyers are going to be willing to hang into the market right now. Right. I mean, it's it's great if you know, you're getting, oh, your home is appreciated this much and yada, yada, yada. But if there isn't a buyer there that can afford to pay that, yeah. pay that for it, like, cool. <laughs> you know, like you can say it's it's whatever amount you want to say it is at that point if nobody's able to go in and, and buy it. I mean, I think that right now you've still got I mean, this is a great a great time to to cash out and to to make good on that investment. Um, if this is something that you would have been considering doing, like you said, in the next couple years. Um, I agree that I don't think it's sustainable um, for this trend to continue to completely go in the direction it's been going. Um, so, you know, now would be would be a really great time to to get it on the market. So, and, you know, we're going to, Realtor.com had this article that came out. I found this to be really interesting. Um, and it said basically that Realtor.com expects the low inventory and high demand, which is that's absolutely what we're seeing right now, to reach the apex in the week of April 10th to April 16th. And that's based on historical data. So basically in, in 11 days, we're going to see the apex of the current market conditions, according to Realtor. And they know what they're talking about, obviously a legitimate source. And based on historical data, um, that, that report observed that there's 12.9% fewer active listings during this period than an average week in 2021, and the average home received 29% more viewings per listing than any other time during the year during that week. So, uh, you know, what, what I'm, I'm kind of hearing here is that we're getting to a tipping point. I mean, that, that's what they're foreshadowing. And, and the article goes way deep on this, which we, we can bring some other statistical observations there. I mean, do you, do you see that happening? I mean, do you believe like all of a sudden we're going to see the market turn the other way in the next three, four months here? Or according to the, I don't, it's not going to be fast. Like you're not going to see it right away because there is still so much demand out there. Do you believe that, you know, let's say July or August, which is kind of what I see is kind of the end of the spring market. Mm -hmm. Do you see the market maybe slightly going the other way at that point? You mean meaning that there'll be more listings out there? We'll see inventory come up instead of continue to decrease. Yeah, I mean, I think that um, you know what we've tried to uh, to get out to our potential sellers here uh, for quite a while is the importance of getting things together and getting things lined up um, to be ready to go um, into into the spring season. Here, we know it usually takes a couple months for people to mm-hmm. kind of make all of these preparations and sometimes just mentally get on board with, okay, we're going to do this. Um, I think given all the uncertainty and everything that's been going on, there could certainly be some sellers out there that have been dragging their feet a little bit. Um, and we could see a, a tick up here or have the season extend out a little bit longer than we've seen in the past. I also would be curious to see now this wouldn't um, directly affect those numbers necessarily. But, you know, one thing that we do here pretty frequently um, for um, people that want to sell their home themselves and have it be a for sale by Mm -hmm. owner. Um, You know, they're like, it's a seller's market. I'm just going to put it up here myself. And what type of visibility that's getting kind of depends on the person and, you know, and what all they put into to advertising it. 
Um, but I think that there's a chance that some of those listings could eventually go to they may switch over and go to a, a real estate professional um, and maybe get a little bit more traction there. I'm clear they get a 17% more traction. Oh, yeah. would be the exact number I would put on that. I, I do agree with you because some of these folks, they just think they don't need a realtor. The market's really hot. And then they're not getting the excessive amount of offers that people are seeing right now. So I, I, I 100% agree with you there. Um, what, what I'm seeing, looking at some of this historical data, and they got some really great charts here. I wish we could put them on the radio, but that's the technology's not there yet for AM. But maybe we can get it on uh, the repeat of the live cast here, and we put this content out at the end of the week. Is that there's there's a chart? It's um, active listings versus the beginning of the year, um, and they've charted back as far as 2018. And I'm not so concerned about 2020. That's not the number you can look at because there was a lot of fear in the market then. I look at last year. Because we did see inventory bubble up a bit. I mean, we were we and and we saw kind of September, October, even the month of August. There were there was all of a sudden some more activity than you normally would see because buyers were able to take advantage of some of the inventory going up. So if you look at the number of listings, the the, the baseline zero. So up until July of 2021, you were less than zero. That troughed around negative 20 percent in mid-April, which is that week that they point to here in in the article. But then come right around week 30 of the year. So it's like the beginning of June. So like July 4th, let's call it, because I think that's kind of a, a stamp in the marketplace. So when people really start going on vacation a little more, they, they start doing things with their family. Then we saw inventory jump above the 0% baseline up until about the end of October, beginning of November. And then it dropped down again. And, and that's the typical seasonal flow that we see. So... If that's going to follow the same path, and and look, if you look at active listings versus the beginning of the year, there was actually less active listings relative to January 1st, where we are right now. Mm-hmm. So I see that as, a, as an important statistical uh, analysis that people need to be looking at, because if you're not looking at how things are charting historically, you can't, re- you can't really base it on anything else. I mean, that's right. only going to tell us what to expect here. So, you know, for... Seeing this, if I'm if I'm a seller right now, and, and this is really who the message is about, I don't know that I'm messing around not putting my house on the market right now because right. I've seen this as competitive, if not more competitive, than 2021 or 2020 given the number of offers that are out there, where listing inventory is, and the, the, the terms people are having to to give to you know get them. I mean, I was just talking to uh, Andres from our team. His clients made an offer like fifty or sixty thousand dollars above the asking price. They're putting twenty percent down. Mm-hmm. Came in number two because someone waived the mortgage contingency. Right. I mean, this is happening. Con- and they they needed to get a mortgage, by the way. They just waived it, or they got cash from a family member. I'm not sure of the details. We're hearing other members of our team. They've lost out on nine different offers this month. They've written. Right. Uh, I mean, and and these these are and it's the month's not even over yet. So right. this has got to come up here. Um, and and if we follow that. I mean, you, even you look at like, we're, we've seen a little blip here. Um, like it kind of goes up for the first time. Mm-hmm. That to me is really critical because if inventory comes up just a little bit, it's going to alleviate a lot of this pressure. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, a little a little tick up in inventory um, goes goes a long way. <laughs> so, I mean, do you, do you see this continuing? I mean, are we going to see the same cycle next year? Because that's the big question. Everyone's trying to like, well, I'll just wait. I'll make more money on my home. The market's doing better. And it's not a question of the prices continuing to go up. Terms are also a factor here, too, because if there's more inventory, I doubt you're seeing waived home inspections, appraisal gaps that are eighty, a hundred thousand dollars. Right. I mean, you know, bananas sort of stuff here. Do, do you do you see this repeating next year, or are we going to see more of a 
a, a normal housing market? What, what, what's your take? Well, as we always as we always say, we can't predict the future. <laughs> we cannot. Um, but I I would say if you're if you're thinking about doing this, now's the time to put it up while you can take advantage of what we know is an incredible market. Um, you know, given the number of buyers that are out there, the limited number of homes, we know that in this year, all of the buyers out there will not get homes. The numbers just mm-hmm. aren't there to support it. So there will certainly still be. Um, you know, people out there next year, <laughs> um, there'll still be fierce competition. Um, but what we know right now is people are motivated. And, you know, part of what goes into the spring market here is, you know, families who want to get into, um, you know, a school district or get things lined up for the following year. Um, and they want to get all of that in place. So there's, you know, there's definitely motivation for people right now to go out there and, um, you know, and make some offers. Dave. Hey, if you don't mind me jumping in and just asking a question, because this is something I've pondered aside from from your show, is who is selling their homes right now? Because honestly, my wife and I, we look and I'm like, whoa, this is what Zillow says I could get for our home. But then then immediately we go, yeah, but where are we going to go? Biggest question, yeah. so, So I'm actually curious in your experience, is it that people are, advancing maybe their retirement because they know they're going somewhere else or somewhere, you you know, in other words, they're like, we were going to retire in three years, but we'll go and do it now because the market is hot. Or like you said, school district. I'm just curious from the experts, who is selling their homes mostly? Well, there's, there's always the, uh, the people that are having life changes, um, that need to make a move. That could be their families are growing. Um, they're, downsizing. They're now empty nesters, job relocations. Um, You know, there's always that pool of individuals who, regardless of what is going on in the market, they're in a position where they need to make a move. Okay. Then given what um, is going on right now in the market, absolutely. There could be people that are looking at, you know, their, the value of their home, um, what they would potentially be able to, to get for it and walk Mm -hmm. away with. And maybe they would speed up, um, you know, moving into a retirement community or, um, you know, in some cases, even if they have, well, this is great for people who have like another vacation home or right. something, but if they, you can work remotely in many situations these days. So looking at, Hey, I could get this for my home here. We can go hang out at the beach house, work mm-hmm. remote. Um, and that can be a, a great option for people as well. You bring up a lot of great points there, and I agree with all of them. What I'd also say is that it's someone that's had, like, it, this, there's the non-sexy moves, right? I just got divorced. Right. Oh, someone yeah. passed away, and we've got an estate we've got to liquidate. Um, I can't afford my home anymore. Maybe it's, you know, th- there, there's some financial issues there, a job relocation, now that people are actually going back to work. So all those things are absolutely right on, and, it, it, and there's also, like, the non-fun life events and those are just as important mm-hmm. for the inventory crisis. Not that there's anything good about, you know, th- those sort of things, although, you know, maybe sometimes there is in a divorce or something like that, but that's not the point. It's more of there there's there's other stuff people don't talk about and that's usually those are the people that are absolutely selling. Like there there there's no question yeah. about it. So, uh, I th- I think you you answer you bring up a really good point there and it's someone that are I th- I think also people that are willing to take the risk that they might they might not have a place to go right away, but they've got a backup plan and they still want to take advantage of the market. It's, it's funny you say that because I actually discussed with my wife. I was like, all right, so wait a minute. What if we sell our house, just live in an apartment for a year or two? You know, that yeah. find something really There's inexpensive. There's people doing that right now, I, for and, sure. And why not? 
right. you know, why not? Because I could tell you our neighbor across the street for, and, and again, we live in the Chester County area and, um, and neighbor sold us. He had it perfect. They had just bought a new home and needed to wait three or four months for the closing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the interest rate, we're talking just a year and a half of the interest, everything just fell. They were able to renegotiate. They got so much money for their house across the street. That's yeah. when I started looking around, Yeah, you know, but that was the thing for us is like, you know, where are we going to go? And we still have college kids who want to come home. Sure. So, you know, a one bedroom different. apartment wasn't going to work for us, but I thought for somebody, they, that's a, that's a great opportunity to make a little money if you can do it. It's very oh, yeah. smart. I think. Well, and I mean, I think that sometimes when you see those numbers and if you know that in a few years you'd be making a move anyway, and this isn't to have you push to sell your home. Sure. But, um, you but know, if, if you, you want s- to, we can set it up. <laughs> but if you want to. Um, you know somebody. <laughs> I yes. know somebody. Um, but as you're looking at that number, it's like, well, you know what? You know, the kids the kids can share a, a bedroom when they come back at holidays for what we could cash out and walk away sure. with on this. So right. sometimes it does make you kind of reevaluate what what makes the most sense and what the best move, what the best move is. Excellent. Thanks for letting me jump in. Uh, to, well, that's that's the kind of questions we need because this is the, like the number one question we get all the time. Oh is gosh, where are yeah. we going to go to? What what's the plan? And and if you are in that situation where you have a place to go, I mean, or th- there's you're okay with renting, or maybe you're going to move in with a family member. I mean, there, there there's there's folks that take that risk and they say, I'm going to find the right house when it comes up. I can't control that. I do want to cash out right now, and that can be pretty valuable. So what I wanted to jump to is they actually broke down this best time to list stat for every metro market. So. For the Philadelphia area, the best time to list, it's already over. It was it was March 20th. <laughs> you missed it. Yeah. You mi- well, and, and I don't know that you necessarily missed it. This is just what Realorder.com is saying. And year over year, we're seeing 5.4% um, of the listing price uh, increase versus the start of the year. So if the average list price was $100,000, it's now $105,400. Um, views per property versus average week is up 9.4%. The number of price reductions versus an average week is down 34.4%. The average days on market versus an average week during this week of the year is down 10.9%. And we're seeing an increase of active listings versus the average week of, of 1.1, which that tells me right there, you know, when you see inventory actually bump up during the best week to sell, you know, I, I think there's a, it's kind of a silly thing to be talking about here. I don't know that someone that listed March 20th like missed out on anything if you're right. putting your home on the market now. Right. Uh, more importantly, we talk about a market dynamic shift. And, you know, because there's this unlimited sustained demand that we're seeing, I think that's a good way to co- uh, uh, codify this, and very little stale inventory uh, because the inventory is not lasting. We're at like 22 days in the suburbs, about 64 days on market in the city. Um, and part of that's because of the decade-long shortage of new construction, which we have zero of here. I mean, our market is probably more susceptible to this than others because they can't just build new homes. I mean, you, right. you go to Phoenix, Arizona, similar size metro market, they're building all the time there. Right. They actually push the city limits out to build more. <laughs> can't do that here. It's not, it's not yeah. an option. Yeah. But there are some uh, three ongoing shifts in the market that are worthy noting. So I'm going to run down each of these with you, Sarah, and I just want to get your take on it, and then we can we can kind of break from this here. So... The first is mortgage rates are expected to continue rising. So do you think that's going to have an effect on what happens now and like this best time to list? And I would say, forget the weeks. I look at it as between now and the end of June. I think right. that's kind of the window here. So do you, yes or no, mortgage rates are expected to continue to rise. Is that something that's going to make it a better time to sell or a worse time to sell? Better to sell the sooner you do it. Agreed. Okay. Number two. 
demand is high until supply catches up, and this is about risk management. So what this means here is that 2021 saw the highest rate of home construction in the last decade plus. Again, we didn't see that here. Um, Though the gap between home constructions and household formations grew, they expect to see optimistic builders continue to accelerate home building, um, and that trend could benefit sellers who are hoping to buy and we've had a couple people that bought new construction that were yeah. in older homes that yeah, I mean, some of true. your clients that I, I think of. And despite slightly lessening demand, sellers will find more options for buying themselves, enabling them to enter the market without risking selling before securing a home for purchase. That was a long one. Um. So basically, so right, I, I gave you the full breakdown. That's how I roll. Um, <laughs> builders are building a lot of inventory, eliminating some risk for sellers because that's what they're that's what they're going to is new construction. Um. Yeah, I think that, I mean, yeah. They're building a lot of, like, 55 and over communities. They are. Um, I find more of those in, like, luxury townhome communities. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people moving out of Pennsylvania right now. True. That are, I mean, we've had clients go to Florida, and yeah. they go down the shore and go to some southern destinations. So I, I see this also as viable, just maybe a little differently than we, we might normally think. Right. All right, here's the third one. Prices tend to peak later, as does competition. So... Sellers should consider the peak prices later in the season also come with greater competition from other sellers that are going to be selling their home too. Yes. So I agree with that also. I mean, by the end of May, I mean, the market's like saturated. There's a lot of homes that hit the market. Um, and historically, by the end of the May, prices typically reach their near peak levels compared to the start of the year. It also increases, uh, the new sellers also increase um, and surge by 48%, almost 1.5 times higher than the beginning of January. I hope so. I th- I, I'm, I'm clear this, I mean, this might be the last run, not that the market's going to shift. Yeah. It's just not going to accelerate so fast. Yeah. And it's going to feel slower because when you're going down the road 120 miles an hour and you slow to 90, you feel that. Right, right. What do you got, David? How, how much is inventory, though? going to affect the price or maintain the the a higher price because i could tell you again because i'm from the chester county area there's nothing i mean so it, you i'm, I'm going to disagree that, gonna that there's the nothing price? for sale there's not stale inventory on the market and, I, okay and there you go there's more right. homes that sold in 2021 than 2020 okay north of seven million homes so we actually don't say there's no inventory at our organization because gotcha. it scares people away yep and, I, and I'm an amateur, so thanks it, for it, having well, me. But, yeah. well, no, but listen, you're, this is what but <laughs> yeah, you probably but, heard but it, that it's from. It's my perception. Yeah, that's it's the perception. perception. And people don't realize yeah. that there's inventory. You just got to move and like, you're, let's say a home gets listed you want to go look at, yeah. and it gets listed today. We've got to go look today or tomorrow. That's fair. That's fair. That's, that makes that, sense that, to me. That's I get what's that. happening yeah. more than anything else. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah. Things, things do not sit. <laughs> and, and so I guess that's my question then is how long is the uh, not sitting going to affect the the price overall. In other words, the demand is still so high. Even if the interest rate goes up a little, mm-hmm. is the demand going to still be there uh, that makes you have to go see a home today? For the short term, I'm, I'm going to say yes. Yeah. I, I don't I don't see that stopping people because there's some people that are renting and they're like, I don't, I don't want to rent anymore. I'm paying somebody mm-hmm. else's mortgage instead of mine when they can lock in their rent for 30 years by right. getting a mortgage. What I also know is that you know, if we go back to 2019, the average time on the market was about 60 to 90 days. So now it's at 22, 23. Wow. So if we're at a third of that, yeah. if that just creeps up into like the 45-day range and we see inventory get to like a two-month supply in the suburbs, I'm clear it's gonna, that you're going to really feel that in the market. 
I, I don't know what you're seeing, Sarah. Yeah, no, I would I would agree with that. Like, we don't need a huge change. We just need to go the other way a little bit. Mm-hmm. So buyers aren't, they're almost like, like it, they're like a firefighter. They get the call, and they got to go right out, if you follow what I'm saying. I think that's probably a pretty good analogy. Like, yeah. there's there's no option right now otherwise. I see. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you can't get out there right away or do a virtual tour or do something to kind of get your eyes on the property, um, you're you're probably not going to see it. I, that, that, that's very clear. So, is this the best time to sell ever? That's the, that was yes. the question. Yes, I'm a yes too. We're going to take a quick break. So, sell your home basically is the idea. Very very analytical here. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back. We're going to talk about new texting laws and how realtors need to adjust their lead generation skills. And then we got David James coming on to talk about cornhole and charity and concert for charity with uh, Safe Harbor. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet as PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. I'm Tom Tool of the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. If you're thinking of becoming a real estate agent in the greater Philly area, I have a special offer for you. Our team did $165 million of volume in 2021, making us the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania and a top 1% team nationally. Our agents love us because we offer them a successful career, a great life, and an unbeatable culture. Agents who've been with us for at least a year average 30-plus sales. Even our brand-new agents average 17 to 24 sales a year. We offer proven systems and expert training. We help you set more appointments and sell more houses. Now here's the offer. If you don't have a real estate license yet, we offer real estate scholarships so you can get one for free. Check it out at realestatescholarshipprogram.com or visit the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline at tomtool.com. That's Tom Tool with an E dot com. Get more out of your real estate career and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Timon. We've got David James here from Safe Harbor. They have a great charity event coming up. Uh, we're going to talk about it in a little bit. And uh, we got Gabe behind the camera, and we all work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania since 2018. And we're streaming live on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Just look up Tom Tool Sales Group. And what we want to talk about now. And I, I, this is actually pretty interesting because I've been on both ends of this uh, of, of this text messaging solicitation. So 
there's some new texting laws that, that came uh, out at the end of January, and a lot of folks had to adjust. They were implemented February 8th, so it's been about two months, and, and we've seen it kind of on, on both ends here. So there's uh, the Telephone Consumer Protection Act, which is a federal law, and it's the guidelines of the CTIA, which is the Cellular Telecommunications Industry Association, which is the regulatory board that represents all the major like mobile networks like AT&T, T-Mobile, Verizon, whoever you got. Um, and what they did was they laid out opt-out requirements and the different types of business messaging. So the changes that got implemented were any initial texting through a CRM, which is what most sales companies use, there has to be, and if it's manual or automated, so it's not like you can't like if you just send a text, it's got to it, that 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 still counts. Mm-hmm. They have to have an opt-out messaging. Then there's recurring opt-outs, which means texts sent from drip campaigns will include opt-out language at regular intervals if two-way communication has not been established via text between the sender and receiver, and any bulk text messaging will now include recurring opt-out following the same rules. And concierge messaging, which is custom greetings that you get, like you register on a website and they say, hey, thanks for registering for blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that will also have opt-out messaging, and it could be as often as every 30 days. So this is a big change for a lot of people, especially I find that a lot of people are more apt to text now than than call. I mean, a call's like, all right, there's a problem, or I need to have, like, um, maybe I'm driving in my car, it's a lot safer. Right. Texting is a big way that we've seen people convert mm-hmm. in, in real estate. So knowing that there's these new regulations, I'm clear a lot of realtors have to kind of adjust their game plan here. So what, what do you think about this, Sarah? Yeah, I mean, we've always been a call first team. So basically what that means is if leads come in, um, we are to pick up the phone and give them a call before sending them a text. Um, now, a lot of people don't like to pick up their phone. <laughs> so, Very true. Or think about like your day to day, though. I yeah. think it's like you're in the middle of something. Oh, you yeah. don't want to talk. Keep oh, yeah. Going. It could be for many different reasons. One of them being, I don't know who this number is. I'm not picking that up. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, we while we try and do call first, um, then the next best practice would be to uh, probably try and send an email with with your information. Um, but. As as far as texting goes, I mean, texting is very useful, especially once you have a established relationship with somebody. Um, I feel like the best is when you get them on the phone. You hear about what it is that they're looking for. You get the story. You get the motivation. You get the the situation. Um, text, phone call or in person is really the only way to fully get someone's situation and and the reason for their move and and whatnot. Um, after that, text is great for you know checking in, following totally up, seeing what's going on. Um, but yeah, if you can't get in touch with somebody, uh, through calling them first or emailing them, um, then yeah, we're going to, we're going to get a text message. And the risk there is that then people can opt out. <laughs> well, and, and what a lot of people, you know, I think, I think some agents, they, they, they just don't want to pick up the phone. It's like they're allergic to it or it, it's got like nuclear waste attached to it or something. <laughs> they, they won't call because they're afraid of that rejection, but someone sends a text that says stop which actually is probably worse for their business than getting hung up on. That's just my, my opinion. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's going to lock them out from using a CRM or a database. And this is for any business. And, right. and I, I think this is super relevant right now because I get, I get like text message solicitations all the time. Oh, yeah. Like political stuff, nonstop. Mm-hmm. Um, wholesalers uh, that, that are reaching out about properties that I, I live in. Um, 
like we went to we had a team event at one of those axe throwing places. I get texted by them all the time. Yep. I'm like, guys, we'll come back. Like, I, I don't go axe throwing every two weeks. Um, right, right. <laughs> so it, it has been a way that I, I and we know that it converts because you get your higher, you're more likely to get a response rate. I do think agents need to do a couple things. One, you mentioned calling first. I love that. Um, I'd also be getting on video more if I'm an agent. Right. If if you can't um, or if you know that's going to be there. Or maybe include like a video link in the text and saying like, hey, Sarah, I know you're getting this text. There's going to be some opt-out language at the end. Mm -hmm. Or even just telling them, hey, there's going to be opt-out language at the end. It's because that's what the law requires me to do. Right. That might actually help you convert a little more. So uh, have you adjusted your approach now that this, because we've been dealing with this um, for about two, three months now. I mean, have you adjusted your approach with this? Tell me more about what you're doing in your day-to-day and I can share what's, I've seen work for other people as well. Yeah, I mean, as soon as if I get a, a new lead um, that's you know sent through to me, and then I'm to reach out to them, I always I always try to call first. Um, so I may leave them a message saying, you know, next I'm going to be following this up with an email, so you have my contact info, and I'll shoot you a text in case if that's the way that you would prefer to communicate. Um, and now I am trying to include in there, um, you know, that there there could that there will be some opt out language. Um, so kind of adding that into the into what I'm leaving them in my initial uh, communication. But otherwise, I think kind of sticking to the way that we've always done it. Well, and you know what? I think that's that's interesting because I've, I've, I'm like Mr. Phone Call, right? I mean, you know that about me. That, that's been our MO, and it's obviously worked to a certain extent. I'm clear that agents, they, they just need to be aware of this because so many people are so quick to text. And, and I, I'm clear there's opportunities where a phone call can be way more effective. Like think about a tough negotiation, right? And you're texting somebody and you, you just, they don't hear the sound of your voice. They don't get the tonality. They don't hear how frustrated you might be because maybe the other party's being unreasonable, which newsflash right. happens all the time in real estate. So th- there there's some issues there that I, I think just in general, people have gone to text so much more than they have in the past because it is more conversational. Um, it's definitely more conversational than an email. And I, I just don't know that if if you're not adjusting your language or understanding this is real, I think you might be doing yourself a disservice and actually hurting your business. Right. Because I mean, so with email, I mean, so with phone calls, we all know that depending on what you're doing, you can't pick up. Yeah. We all know that if you don't know the number, you may or may not want to pick up. You don't want to get stuck talking to somebody that you're like, why did I pick up mm-hmm. this call? Um, email, you have to, you know, depending on what your settings are on your phone or how often you want to go in and check it, that can be a little bit more of a hassle. I mean, texts just pop right up and yep. you're able to, you know, get back quickly. You don't have to put together, you know, a formal thing and yada, yada. So we know this, but it's also very easy because so many different places come in, text you, contact you, that even if this is something that you would want to talk about, if you just see what appears to be, especially for some of these like bulk type emails that go out or or things like that, if you see something that seems generic, it's very easy to just go in and hit like end, stop, Mm -hmm. just because you don't want to deal with that. If even like down the line, this is something that you would want. <laughs> um, so kind of like lining up ahead of time and and being able to communicate with them in a different way first um, is definitely the way to go. Well, and, and what, what I also know too is that it, it can't be, if you've really got to think about your tax messaging now. Mm-hmm. It can't be the typical, hey, did you want to see the property? That's going to turn a lot of people off. There's got to be some clear messaging there or even ways to be, make it more engaging, like asking the right questions, give some value. Hey, did you see what the Fed said last week? Mm-hmm. Are you Has that changed your plans for moving? That could be a real easy text that would work pretty well. 
And you know, agents, I think they, they got to go back to basics. I mean, we've been talking about this all year because of how competitive the market is, which is do the stuff that worked when the internet didn't exist, um, at least in the real estate space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, picking up the phone. Yep. Uh, I mean, if you if you want to text somebody, maybe you send them like a video email instead. I think that works really well. We've seen agents on our team do market updates at scale using one video and sending it out to hundreds of people and getting a great response. I mean, that's the kind of thing people are going to respond to. And this t- this takes the lazy marketing or the lazy agent. It's going to make it more difficult for them because they're not coming up with good content or good scripts in the first place. And there's scripts with texting. People don't believe this, but you've got to like ask a question, try to get a response, because you want to get that two-way communication going. And, and a lot of folks just don't do that. Like, I've seen some texts, "Hey, it's so and so with XYZ Real Estate," and that's all it says. Well, yeah. What does that do for right. you? Right? It's like, great, hello. Like, what are you, yeah. you going to give them the wave emoji? I mean, I don't understand. <laughs> versus, hey, I just tried calling you and left a message. Mm-hmm. Thought a text may be an easier way to get you on the phone. Is there a good time to talk? Like that, and and scheduling the call to me, that's really important because it's it's tough to get people on the phone right now. Right, everyone's so busy. I mean, have have you done that in your business? Have you like said, all right, I'll call you at this time. That way, everyone knows they can jump on a call with you. And do you ever set that up in text? Because I I think that's something that a lot of agents have gotten away from, because you're talking about huge financial decisions for people, and I don't know that a text is going to be good enough for them to. So yeah, I'm I'm going to take the offer. Or I'm going to go up to X or whatever whatever they're, they're you're, you're discussing. Yes, um, absolutely. I try to schedule, you know, times to to connect on the phone via text, um, you know, depending and people's work schedules are all over the place. So mm-hmm. you can't assume that somebody's like a nine to five or or whatever. Um, so trying to line up, hey, what time do you have a few minutes to talk? We need to take care of this over the phone. Um, uh, absolutely. I I love getting something in stone and then I can get it in my calendar. They know the call is coming in. Um and you're just much more likely to actually be able to connect when you both have that in, in place and you know it's coming. You know, I was going to jump in and, and, and just give you a, another side of things that I actually think that you could build more credibility and a better relationship with the opt-out feature because it puts control in, in their hands. Mm-hmm. And I think about the texts that are sitting on my phone right now that have the opt-out. My doctor you know, I always have that option. They keep me up to date with my appointments, but trust me, I don't miss them. They're in my calendar. Mm-hmm. It's pointless. But because of that opt out on there, right? To me, it's, and also I have a favorite sandwich shop as well that'll also text me, uh, you know, some discounts and things like that too. But they also use the opt out. I, I, I don't opt out because I don't mind getting those, but I'm in control so I can drop at any time. I think it's almost like credibility of your favorite store or online shopping place offering you a 30-day return. You actually are more likely to stick with them or choose them over someone else because you know if you get it home, you can try it on. If you're not happy in, in a few days, you can return it. All it's doing is saying you're in control. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you're on the right track about the first – I think you have to have a relationship. Any unsolicited mm-hmm. is always going to be met with risk. But after you get to know them, or is it okay if I text you? And that opt on there, I think you will actually find will help you build a relationship a little closer with somebody, maybe a little faster. I'd also argue it gets rid of the people that aren't serious about working with you yes. in the first place. And you don't have to deal. You don't. We aren't wasting your time following up with someone that's never going to transact with you. Right. 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 But if it's a bad text, like you said in the beginning, like oh, if it's yeah. just yeah. a, you know, it, it, that you you can feel that. I don't know about you, but you can feel it. You can read a text mm-hmm. and know if it's really from someone mm-hmm. 
or some script or something. You right. know, so so it does take a little initiative, maybe the phone call or email first mm-hmm. with the is it okay for us to text you? Well, and, and texting, I mean, there, there is there is some. I, I read a, um, an article about this that you compare like text and email because they're both like typed out responses, right? When people email me, it's usually they want something, whether it's time or money. It's a request on me. It's it's not a normal engagement versus mm-hmm. texting is more conversational. You're actually like talking to somebody. I mean, you know, texting someone's very different than sending an email. Like, I mean, when someone says I'll send an email, like it's either got to be some sort of document I need or something like that, or it's, I'm going to send an email. Like I get emails from my kids' teachers. Like that's never good, right? They're not texting me and saying, hey, you know, Leo's doing great at school. Like it's like, okay, there was an incident. Here's what happened, blah, blah, blah. And this doesn't happen often, but I mean, you know, or we got parent-teacher conferences coming up or whatever. Yeah. So when you think about that, I mean, you know, even I think of some interactions I have with folks that I'll, I will never text them because I'm not on that level with them. I think that's like, a, it's, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a different, um, and these are people we work with all the time and everything else. And, but like, I know that I can get them on like a Saturday if I text them versus send them an email. So I think there's a there's a blend there that you got to kind of understand that it's almost did you did you have um instant messenger like AIM, you know? Sure uh, this did. Is, so a lot of people don't even know what this is. Gabe, do you know what that is? No, no no idea, right? <laughs> so apparently we're we're older than Gabe. Um but that was when I was in college, it wasn't no one emailed each other. It was right. they had like an instant messenger on your computer, and mm-hmm. then that's how people would 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 respond. And then you communicate that way and come over. It's, I mean, I have a cell phone. I had AIM at that at that point. Yep. Uh, so, I think it's it's very similar to that. And then it's an easy way to chat with people without having to get on the phone. It's more efficient. So there is a time and a place for that. Yeah, you don't have to put in a subject. Yeah. Line. yeah. Oh God. Sometimes I hate coming up with like the, the subject line. The <laughs> email is paper and pen. <laughs> When email was invented, right, it was right. like we looked at email and then you look at paper and pen. Now you're looking at email like it's paper and pen. By the way, for you young folks, paper and pen was this stuff. We that write was handwritten made. notes oh, all the time, so we're, make we're good. Sure, because I just realized how much older I am than you guys because I didn't have a cell phone in college. But okay. <laughs> we had the bulletin board. That's where the party was. Pull a tab <laughs> off so you knew where to go. That's funny. Oh, I like that's that. Great. So. What I'm hearing is we got to adjust, like you have to adjust calling first, you know, using video more, which we didn't touch a lot about, but I think that's a way to kind of engage that person like, okay, this is a real person behind here. It's not some bot that's texting me and just maybe let them know like, hey, this, I have to do this. And then kind of like meeting, meeting the elephant in the room head on. And that, that seems to be the way to get around these things. Anything else you guys want to add? All right. So if you're looking for more strategies like this and you want to get your real estate license, check out our website. It's realestatescholarshipprogram.com. We will pay for you to get licensed. It's a great way to break into the industry. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and talk about Cornhole and Concert for Charity in Westchester with Safe Harbor and David James. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. 
When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. The Tom Tool Sales Group is the number one REMAX team in Pennsylvania with over $165 million in volume for 2021. I'm Tom Tool, and our team has achieved that kind of success by being a great place to work with and to work for. No one knows Greater Philly better than we do. We know real estate, but more importantly, we're real people. We hire the best agents, and we give them all the tools to succeed. Even our brand new agents sell 17 to 24 homes a year because our team delivers the best experience in real estate. Teams deliver a better experience than individuals, and we're a top 1% real estate team in the country. We call it AAA service. We're your advocate, ally, and advisor. Because this isn't a transaction to us. It's a relationship. If you're buying or selling a home, call the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX main line at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. That's Tom, tool with an E, dot com. Sell your home for more, and remember the real estate golden rule. You always get more when you work with Tom Tool. All right, all right. We are back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Sarah Timon, and we've got David James here from Safe Harbor of Chester County, Sarah and I work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team in Pennsylvania since 2018. And we are here to talk about Safe Harbor and the upcoming Cornhole and and Concert for Charity. Um, So, David, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? And if you want to register, you can go to their website. It's safeharborofcc, just like it sounds, .org. So safeharborofcc.org. David, thanks again for coming on. Fill us in on the event. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your charity? Well, thanks for having me on, and thanks for letting me chime in, like I said earlier, with my uh, very novice questions, because it's always educating when I get to stop by, and I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Um, So Safe Harbor of Chester County, we've been around for over 25 years. We're a homeless shelter serving single homeless men and single homeless women. And in fact, in Chester County, we're the only single women's shelter in the entire county. So there's lots of other services for women with children or even families but we're the only one for um, single women. We also help out with the food uh, insecure as well. We have a community lunch program that anybody can stop by, whether they're a resident or not, and uh, and grab a hot lunch or at times a takeaway lunch and refill their pantry as well. So we're very proud of that. But uh, it's like I said, for over 25 years. And of course, uh, one of the reasons I'm here is, is to be able to talk about um, we, as always, as a lot of nonprofits and especially homeless shelters need a little help we only get about 8% of our funding from the government. The rest of it is private donations and and and, and events like uh, Cornhole Concert for Charity. Um, last time I was here, we had golf. We had a great turnout and, uh, and a great event. And so um, with Cornhole and Concert for Charity, it's being held at the American Helicopter Museum, which is a really popular tourist place uh, that a lot of folks like to just come and just check out all of these amazing helicopters. But we're having it there because... Last year when we created the event, someone was so kind to donate their property, and it was a barn. It was a beautiful place. Wow. But it started to rain a little bit. So the boards, <laughs> you know, we had to run inside the barn. Yep. And so we had to limit the number of boards and things oh, like geez. that. So I said, this year, 
let's find somewhere bigger. Yeah. So the American Helicopter Museum, fantastic because we have not only outdoor space, but indoor space because we rented half the hangar. Okay. So they're going to move a couple of those sweet birds out of the way and let us come in and throw some bags around. Um, but it's going to be on April 30th. And this year, unlike last year, we have added the concert portion. Basically, last year, we were planning on, just like a lot of folks had to change their plans, we were having your typical dress-up gala. Mm -hmm. That's typically what we've done for well over 10 years. And we had to pivot, so I came up with a very elegant cornhole idea, you know, as people like to (laughs) get dressed up and play a cornhole. Yeah. I'm actually, I am thinking of doing that. No, I'm making a joke, but I am thinking about making a black tie cornhole event. One day, I think it could be fun. But uh, anyway, we had to pivot a little bit, and the band was very kind to let us to let us save the deposit. And so I said, "All right, I will use you in the future," you know. Mm-hmm. And so this is it. So at the um, event, we're going to start the afternoon. Will be cornhole. You can play. It's teams of two playing around robin, like two out of three, and then just kind of move down. You know, not much unlike the uh, the basketball bracket that's out there until we get a winner. And then slowly it'll merge into a great outdoor concert. And if you've never been to just, I mean, you know, there's great wineries, there's great outdoor places in Chester County, and I'm sure all over the Philadelphia mm-hmm. area. I just know mm-hmm. that area a little more. But there's nothing like a great outdoor concert in the springtime, and so that's what we're having. And the band is the Midnight Hour Band. And and if you've ever been to a fantastic wedding, there's a good chance that they were the band who was there. They play all the hits. Uh, pick a decade? No, all the hits. They play them all. <laughs> so whether you want to get up and dance or just uh, sit around with a red solo cup and have a good time for the afternoon into the evening, it's going to be a great event. Very cool. So yeah. um, you know, tell us a little bit about your – I mean, you mentioned about the charity, but like, sure. I mean, what? how successful was it last year? Are you expecting a bigger turnout this year? Because I know you. anytime anyone launched anything during the past two years, mm-hmm. I think it was really tough. And the fact that you're back again I think is impressive and it speaks a lot to your organization and, and, and the, the why behind the charity. You know, thank you, because um, one of the things that I, I I actually feel this year, last year was, I have to be honest, was almost a little bit easier. And so this year, um, I would like to hopefully encourage you to come and participate, because I think last year, everybody was helping one another. It, you know, not just us, but even your neighbor and everybody else. Great point. We see a problem, we'll, we'll fix it. So everybody was able to pivot and supported our pivot. This year, I'll be honest, I think the weather is making people really miserable. So it's like now that we're starting to get some sunshine, you know, you're starting to think about those springtime activities. We are starting to see our ticket sales go up. Our sponsors have been great. There's always room for more. Um, And our website will have that on there if you, you know, if you want to jump in and sponsor. But we are expecting a bigger event. So we are so grateful. Don't get me wrong. We are so grateful for the support that has already turned up. But we do have some teams that are available. So if you want to come and play, it's $200 for two people uh, to come and have a great time uh, playing cornhole. This really is a lot more social than it is serious. It's like I said. Awesome. I play cornhole. I do not play cornhole well. I am going to hit you with the bags more than I hit the board or even the Are, are you trying to get people to come? Or I, I'm, I'm, here just, I'm just, uh, here's what I'm trying to say is I don't want you to think about the Johnsonville players on TV who get hole after hole after hole. It's not that kind of group. If they show up, they'll actually stand out. Now, I'll have a little conversation with them. This is social. This is going to be fun. Yes, it could be a little more competitive, and, and that's okay. Everybody has that uncle, right, who's a little more competitive that guy, he can play too, but come on, you know, we're not trying to make anybody look bad or, sure. or to really make somebody dominate. It should be a good time. And then the best part is, is that once the concert starts, um, 
you could still play with your friends. So, so maybe I didn't play against you, you know, and I wanted to because you're my friend or my coworker. Sure, sure. We can still have a casual game while we're listening to the music, you know, so the boards are going to be left up. Um, in fact, real quick, I'll mention that Keystone ACL. So thankful to uh, Joe Harsh and his team. If you do ever watch those TV cornhole events, he's usually one of the because they shoot a lot of them in Philadelphia. I don't know if you know that, I but do. at the Oaks in the other area, that that's where they shoot them. And um, and you in a lot of cases, he's behind the scenes. He, he's really a renowned kind of uh, judge and uh, rule keeper at a lot of events across the nation, actually. So he's really revered, and he does some great things for other charities and uh, around the country. And so we were one of his first in the area for him to help us run our event. We have electronic scoring. Come on, electronic scoring with cornhole. So you don't have to do all that math. I know Tom likes math, but I don't. (laughs) When you're playing cornhole, the math is much more difficult than what we do on a daily basis. (laughs) It actually is in a lot of ways. But uh, it, it's going to be a great event all day on uh, Saturday, April the 30th. Um, you know, we will also have food trucks and uh, one of my favorite beers in the entire area, Locust Lane Brewery, is going to be there. Any food We had Locust beverage, Lane on our show. Did you? Yeah. Yes. They're fantastic and very philanthropic as well, which is mm-hmm. one of my favorites. So, 100%. Yeah, you know, they are, they are great. So the, um, the fact that it's going to be a great day where you can purchase food, a portion of that is going to go to... Our charity as awesome. well, just like the beer and all of that, and a portion of it. We're also going to have a virtual auction, and it's kind of curious because you were just mentioning and talking about the text, and even uh, during the commercial break, we I, I mentioned it. We have the text opt option mm-hmm. available on our uh, virtual auction because you can go to the website. We're going to start putting things on there. So it's just like a silent auction, except it'll happen through your phone. And so we actually have some of our biggest participants aren't at the event, and even a fewer of them, but the ones who contribute even more are still like in Florida, are still at their vacation home. We had people who are all across the country text in, sign up, it's really easy to do, and be able to get their bids back and forth text to them. So the virtual auction as well as the band, uh, Cornhole, Bring Your Friends, it's going to be a lot of fun. And of course, it all goes to help the homeless in, in Chester County. Awesome. So you can get all the info at safeharborofcc.org. That's the place to check it out. Um, sounds like an awesome day here. You know, uh, Locust Lane, that's a small world. Those guys are great over there. Um, mm-hmm. He drank the first beer ever on our radio show, so that was that was a yep. good one. <laughs> oh, wait, you did? He, I, I, did no, not me. Say, no. what week, where's mine? You're going to have to ask Tom from oh, Locust Lane. All right. He came all right. in, he came in uh, rolling, rolling heavy. So Nice. So anything else you want to add yeah, about there. the event here? I mean, I, I think it's a, it's a great cause. Um, and, and, like, what are some of the other ways people can volunteer? Let's say they can't make it to the event. How else can they get involved with your organization and, and help out? Oh, thanks for asking that. Because it is simple uh, that if you also wanted to go on that website where we're registering, we can't just take a donation. We understand Hey, maybe your budget's a little different, but $10, $20, $5, $2, whatever it is, we can also take that donation right next next to the tickets or the sponsorships. If you want to volunteer, and in fact, we've got a couple of groups because we need some help just maintaining things, setting up tables, chairs, things along those lines. Feel free to, you'll see it on the information page on our website, safeharborofcc.org. You can go on there, click the info, and actually I will get that email and say, hey, we have a group who would like to volunteer. One other way that I could say that I I really could use some help 
is with the auction, we are taking donations of baskets. We like to actually have that minimum, if possible, that you could put together your group of around $250. We like to do 20 or 30 baskets versus 100 smaller you know, mm-hmm. baskets. Sure, yeah, that thing. makes sense. So if there's a group, a civic organization, a team, you know, at a big corporation or even, you know, a lot of times the accounting of, you know, Vanguard or Remax or somebody, sure. you know, wants to get together and participate, come up with a theme, put a basket together, and then we could either arrange to come pick it up or you could drop it off at the shelter. And if you give me five minutes, I'll give you a tour of the shelter too if you drop it off. What a bargain, cool. right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Are the uh, are the reigning cornhole champs from last year going <laughs> to oh, be great. out oh to gosh. play this year? Let me tell you, um, they might show up again. And I will tell you, it, it, it they were not phenomenal. They were good. Okay. And it really got down to a really good battle at the end of the last two-on-two mm-hmm. that they were about the same skill level. Okay. The game went on for for quite a while. All right. But we also so t- either they weren't very good or they were really good. Right. Like, you've right. been one of those they, games they just, where they you can't. Yeah. 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 It, it, they kept getting on the board. It would be three to three. It would be four to four. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it was like it was it was more of a wash every time. So they weren't necessarily so phenomenal that they could get it in the hole and put somebody away, but mm-hmm. they could get it on the board. You know oh what I mean? God. So will they be back? We'll see. But, hey, I'll tell you, the toughest competitor in our final seconds, she was 13 and awesome. Oh. <laughs> All right, so a 13-year-old's going to kick everyone's butt. David, thanks for coming on. We're thanks getting played off me. here. You want to check out more about Cornhole and Concert for Charity, it's safeharborofcc.org. That's the place to visit, David. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. You can follow Sarah on Instagram. She's at Ty underscore Ty Time. That's T-Y underscore T-Y-T-I-M-E. You can follow me at TomTool, 3RD, at TomTool the third. Uh, We are streaming live every week, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. That's it for this week's episode of Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM.